You're listening to the Joy of Preparedness podcast with Anna Marie Jones of the CARD program. All segments of this program are available at thejoyofpreparedness.com. One of the things that you said that I thought was really good was was um, mobilizing assets. You know, I mean, and this is not just dollars, but, you know, um, our personal resources and our personal assets. You know, I mean, getting people to feel comfortable about doing that together. Absolutely. And the reality is, is that if you shift preparedness away from it being attached to disasters, you would embrace it for all of the wonderful things it brings. The the ability for a community to reach each other very quickly, come to decisions quickly, pull in their resources quickly, all of that asset mobilization is a brilliant thing to have even if you never, ever, ever have a disaster, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. If I could snap my fingers and we knew for sure we weren't going to have an earthquake, a flood, a fire, any of that, you'd still want a community that can come together quickly, that can make decisions, that can pull in their resources. That is a wonderful skill set for humanity. Mm -hmm. And the fact that preparedness, one, isn't that, and that preparedness is marketed as such a negative is such a great loss. It Mm. is really a great loss to society because we could solve so many of our current and pressing needs if we could move past that. Yeah, I agree. So, Richard, are you feeling like there's still a problem? I don't know. Can can you see my voice moving? Yeah. Oh, I have no idea what's going on then. Where are we? (laughs) <laughs> we're working together to mobilize our assets. <laughs> that's what that's what's just happened. I, you know, we we have a map your neighborhood program that we use here in in um, Sebastopol, and and I think part of that is is really just trying to get people to feel comfortable with each other, because then those kinds of decisions that you're talking about will be easier for you and I to make if we recognize and we've we've done some things together. Then when we go to face something that we haven't faced before we have that commonality absolutely and the reality is is that bringing a community together first and foremost for disaster preparedness is usually not the strongest path you know a community that has come together to plant a garden a community that has come together because sometimes of a a fight against a common enemy you know whether it's you know some major corporation trying to take over whatever whatever the reason is that people came together and they were willing to extend of themselves extend their resources make sure that they could reach each other that is all what preparedness can look like. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were, I was sharing this with uh, Richard yesterday, is that we've seen when uh, some people have tried to pull communities together for disaster where it didn't go very well because the person doing it was doing it from a place of fear. They were basically door knocking, saying, hi, we should know each other because earthquakes, floods, fires, and terrible things are going to happen. Mm-hmm. It's like, who wants the you know harbinger of doom knocking on their door? That's the grim reaper scratching at your, at your door frame. Mm-hmm. No one really wanted that. Mm-hmm. But when you get someone who's upbeat about life and wants to know their neighbors and wants to be there for each other, it can be a wonderful thing. You know, mm-hmm. if Richard knocked on my door wanting to bring the neighborhood together, I'd be all 100% aces for it. But I have met people who bring such a level of doom and gloom and fear and threat that it would be like, oh, no, 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 thank you very much, right. and close the door and run. Right, right. And I do think that is part of what happens for people and why people don't 
catch on to becoming more prepared themselves is because they are put off by that. And the best place to actually get people involved in this is really early. Mm-hmm. where it can make sense right away. And if what's coming at you is really uncomfortable and makes you want to bury your head, what good is that? Yep. And that's what we've done. We In this country, preparedness is full-on attached to the horrible and the terrible as opposed to the wonderful and the generous and the, you know, what we can do for ourselves, for society. And oftentimes when I'm doing these keynote addresses, I talk about how it's easier to get a community together for preparedness if their goal relates to money than it is to disasters. And that sounds terrible because people are like, oh, how can you say such a terrible? Well, it's just true. Mm-hmm. If you get a community that has decided, you know what, we are not going to waste money. We're not going to lose money. We're going to leverage our assets. And then when the disaster happens, we're going to be the most fundable community. That would be an easier thing to get people to buy into than, oh, the earthquake, oh, the terrorism, the, you know, the bioterror, the, you know, um, magnetic pulse. And I mean, there are just so many disasters that people hear about and people love to give the really gruesome scenarios. Mm -hmm. It's a terrible thing to do to people. Most people don't want to hear that. 96% of the public has actively said, no, thank you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you, looking at your bio, you've gone to Japan a couple of different times. Mm -hmm. And I make the assumption, being here in in this part of the world, that they sort of have that built into their culture, that they're willing to work with each other more than, say, what, what we have here. Is it, was it easier for you? Did they bring, when you brought that message, was it, was it accepted a little bit more readily there? Oh, yes. Um, and just a level of um, graciousness and excitement to have a message that people could accept more readily mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's you could see on people's faces especially when they're talking to you and crying letting you know what a difference it has made that they don't have to live in fear it's really hard to live in fear every day mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is why the traditional message is absolutely brutal on people who are already suffering you know if you can't put shoes on your kids feet and you're worried about next month's rent and whether your utilities are going to be turned off, I promise you the earthquake, the flood, or the fire is not the thing you're worried about. Mm -hmm. And it would be a luxury to worry about a problem in the future. Mm -hmm. So to be able to let go of that and have preparedness be positive and loving and about your desire to be part of a stronger community was emotionally very meaningful to them. Mm -hmm. They were very kind and generous in expressing that. So it was a wonderful experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When you're talking about this fear-based presentation, what what I'm assuming what you're saying is that generally when you see a disaster preparedness, someone talk about disaster preparedness, they're sure showing the results of earthquakes oh. and tsunamis and floods and fl- floating bodies in the ocean and things like that. Mm-hmm. That's some of the worst of the preparedness messaging and and preparedness education. And every bit of research shows that when you give people those sorts of images, it doesn't push them toward preparedness. It pushes them away from it. It's overwhelming to the senses. So there's that. But then there's just that other sort of more insidious message of you're alone. You can't trust your government. You can't trust your neighbor. You don't know. You you know, it's, it's all of that anxiety building conversation 
that I think is so detrimental. We should be making preparedness actually be the opposite to that. Preparedness should leave you feeling more confident, should take away some of that anxiety. You should actually take those steps that leave you feeling stronger and more able and more confident, more secure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The way I talk about it is that you're getting more in touch with who you really are. I think who we really are are, 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 are people that really cares for one another and wants to take care of each other. Um, and so the more you exercise the disaster preparedness muscle, you're get, getting to know yourself and others much, much deeper. And for many people, that is a, a stronger calling for this conversation. And that is one framework. But I've worked with people who have none of that sort of warm, loving thing going on. Polyanny stuff. (laughs) And here's the thing. For some people, that whole idea of this being a beautiful, almost spiritually empowering experience, that will call them. For other people, it's a much more practical thing. It's like, hey, these things happen. You know, earthquakes, floods, fires, there's stuff that happens. I would like to mobilize my assets in such a way that I minimize my loss. I extend whatever I've got. And if possible, if there's a way to benefit from it, they're all aces. So they don't actually have the big loving thing, but they've got a very practical sort of bottom line way of looking at it. That is more empowering Mm -hmm, than mm -hmm. the fear and threat based. For other people, they got into doing this preparedness and mobilization, not for even that reason. They did it just because the group they were with decided, hey, let's do it. So, you know, you just did it and you, you have fun. It's mm-hmm. like if I go to my best friend's house, I could be cleaning the garage with her and we'd be having a great time. Not because I get up in the morning going, wow, would I love to clean a garage today or what? <laughs> but I'm with my best friend. I'm having a good time. I don't care what it is that we're actually doing. Mm-hmm. So for some, they took on preparedness activities just because they could and they did and they decided to do it you know, as a team and what they do as a team, they had fun as a team. There are a hundred reasons to do it that are better and stronger and more sustainable than doing it because horrible and terrible things may lurk in the future. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's where we, we talk about trying to find neighborhoods in Sebastopol that already have something in common. They get together on an annual mm-hmm. basis or they do something in common and start from there and then, and then bring the other message, start to bring that preparedness message in without it being fear-based. It's, hey, we're just here. We're all here. It just makes sense. You have water. I have chainsaw. Blah blah blah. It's it's a big part of Card's message is that it's your everyday brilliance that is your disaster resilience, and we are much bigger on weaving it into your daily operations than trying to make it the separate thing you do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> could could you talk? One of the things um, that people like to do is protect their family and their neighborhoods and their businesses. So how does CARD uh, work to, to protect businesses? What do you, what do you have to, for, for a business owner? We have lots of different things for business owners, uh, in part because um, I do quite a lot of work with our Chamber of Commerce. And um, a former president once said to me, you know, all these things that you created for nonprofits are actually really good for businesses because even businesses that have money don't want to spend it on these things. So it's everything from using your existing technology. So a big campaign for us, for example, is the program your cell phone. And I want you to picture if every business just took on, you know what? All of us, you have a cell phone. We're going to make sure that we are programmed in each other's phones. 
and we have the emergency numbers, the non-emergency number for police, the non-emergency number for fire, poison control, the basic safety numbers. If you just took on doing that, right there, you'd be exponentially more prepared, more connected, better able to mobilize your assets. Uh, We have other very simple tools for the most passive person who's interested in doing a little bit of preparedness. We have a tool called Potty Posters. It's based on the idea (laughs) that no one really wants your brochure and no, most people don't, they don't read the brochure and they don't take action on the brochure. However, people will read anything you stick in a bathroom stall, right? (laughs) It's just human nature. People are in the bathroom and they will read whatever you put in the stall. So potty posters are basically very simple. They are big graphics and few words and they teach you basic safety things like how do you use a fire extinguisher you know to remember that there is this particular way you use a fire extinguisher Mm -hmm. and it's called pass pull aim squeeze sweep Mm -hmm. you know you pull the pin you aim at the base of the fire you squeeze the handle and then you sweep back and forth at the base of the fire well that is a skill set and it's something you should know how to do and if you see a big old fire extinguisher and the pull aim squeeze sweep then it's there how do turn off your gas and had a color code for safety. You know, everybody knows the colors of a stoplight, you know, red and yellow and green. Well, you can use that to color code your facility. Put your safe places where it's safest for people to congregate. Mark that in green. Any place where there's caution, like uneven footing or whatever, that should have yellow. Any place where it's full-on dangerous for people to be, red. Little tiny things of that nature, plus um, how to work preparedness as part of your branding. Um, branding whistles, for example. Whistles are absolutely the greenest, best, um, small safety tool that people can have. And if a business takes on just putting their name in the safety code, right? So Joe's Hardware Shop shop, or, you know, Cindy's Flower Mart, and then the safety code. One is yes, two is no, three is help. Every person at your business should have a whistle. And what I think is that the first time someone is saved, you know, some kid is saved or some senior self-rescues or someone does something with that company's whistle, I think that whistle goes down in history. I think people will be talking about that whistle forever. Mm -hmm. And because Mm -hmm. we give out whistles and not brochures, we have a crazy number of whistle success stories.